0: all right Libby for tonight's podcast I really just want to jump straight into billboarding school because I, I, I'm ready to go tonight
1: are you sure that's a good idea
0: what's the matter libby you never taken a shortcut before <laughs> Welcome to another fantabulous episode of the OST Party. This is a movie soundtrack podcast where movie fans and music fans get together and have a rocking good time talking about all of your favorite movie soundtracks. My name is Joseph Wade. I'll be your host for this evening. Here with me tonight is my lovely and belligerent co-host, Libby Cudmore. Libby, what's shaking?
1: Oh, not much. We're uh, crossing the ocean today for uh, our film.
0: Yeah, we're, we're uh, back across the palm with our, our friends uh, Edgar Wright and Simon Pegg for uh the second part of their three flavors cornetto trilogy hot fuzz.
1: Yes, this is my favorite one. Actually, I know you've got a real soft spot for Shaun of the Dead, but mm-hmm. it probably comes as no surprise that this one is my favorite.
0: If any of the three can be said to be perfect, this one absolutely is perfect. It really is. <laughs> I Shaun of the Dead will always have a special place in my heart, but I cannot deny it, this movie is flat out amazing.
1: <laughs> yes, and I'm realizing as we're going to be talking about the soundtrack tonight, we're not even going to be able to go in as deep as we might normally go with a film, Uh, just with all the callbacks and illusions and and everything. Uh, So I'm sure there's a podcast that will do that better than us, but we're a soundtrack podcast, so we'll do our best.
0: That's right. And also one thing I noticed when I was taking taking my notes for the film, the soundtrack is really in the first half of the film, and then the second half is just nothing but gunfights and car chases.
1: The movie's like 90% montage.
0: Yeah, and (laughs) that's entirely on purpose. Because oh, apparently yeah. Edgar Wright really loves Michael Bay and decided, I want to make a loving homage to Michael Bay movies.
1: Yeah, well, he does it for, for good and for ill in some places. But oh, yeah. like all Edgar Wright soundtracks, this one is meticulously curated and a lot of fun.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Like he's he's always talked about how you know, he listens to music while he's writing. And a lot of those songs wind up in the movie. So. Oh, cool. This is like, yeah, this is this soundtrack is basically his playlist for how he wrote Hot Fuzz, essentially, <laughs> as I understand it. Uh, but before we get into Hot Fuzz, we have to take care of some business from our last episode on dinosaurs, was which was songs. so much fun. It really was. The poll that we ran, we asked you, uh, we we picked four songs that we liked the best off of the soundtrack. And we asked you people on Twitter, uh, which you thought were the, your favorites. Um, and we had a two-way tie. We had two two-way ties, for that matter. Uh, tied for first, I'm the baby, gotta love me. And eon Ooh. after eon, both got 37.5%.
1: Oh, man, that's just, that's harsh. It
0: was a dead heat. Eon after eon, almost won. And oh, then tied, tied for second, Grandma's Coming and I Want to Be King had uh, 12.5%. So
1: Y'all are sleeping on Grandma's Coming. I'm telling you.
0: It's a fun track. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. The whole album was fun. Really. Yeah.
1: Not bad for 68 cents.
0: Yeah, for real. I hope that episode inspired some of you to go and listen to this the soundtrack, that album, because it's just such a strange piece of like 90s TV ephemera. Beautiful artifact. It's great. It really is. That's what this podcast is for, is for unearthing weird soundtrack stuff and bringing it straight to you
1: yes it's funny um i picked up the soundtrack to the film the girl in gold boots Uh uh-huh uh which most people know as being on mst3k it's oh yeah 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 a weird biker (laughs) go-go film and i just i tweeted about it and it's been my most popular tweet in a while um and I had a couple of people tell me that they went and found it either on iTunes or on Apple music. And <laughs> I'm just like, wow, people really like this weird 60s go-go soundtrack from a movie that Mike Nelson made fun of.
0: Yeah. And I, I noticed that tweet got picked up by like uh, Kevin Murphy and Bill Corbett for that matter. That's amazing.
1: That's- <laughs> They're good guys. i uh, but that that movie actually might not be a bad one to do sometime cuz the soundtrack is some of that garage rock like we hear on on this soundtrack it's a dumb movie but the soundtrack is actually kind of legit
0: yeah we'll have to keep that one in our back pocket for <laughs> i don't know that almost feels like an april fools kind of idea <laughs> oh boy so somebody
1: told me they got the uh they found the soundtrack to side hackers. i found the one for the hellcats ooh i'm just i'm waiting for that um that hop reissue
0: <laughs> well this the is an people MST, what they want this is an mst3k caliber but right before halloween i picked up the soundtrack to return of the living dead it's full it's full of like punk rock and just grimy gnarly shit it's really fun we should do we that Should do our,
1: that one halloween
0: we absolutely should i would love to i
1: like return of the living dead
0: it's it's gross in the best way Speaking of gross in the best way, Hot Fuzz, which, as we re- recalled watching it, is also <laughs> extremely graphic and gross.
1: Yes, I had forgotten about a lot of that. It's very, very, very bloody.
0: Not a corn syrup. <laughs> is it true if there, there's a place in a man's head that if you shoot it, it will blow up? <laughs> which, you know, is a great joke, but that that never happens in the movie, and I'm kind of glad it doesn't. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, that would have been a
0: little too much.
1: One of them gets their head crushed in by a falling piece of stone, but
0: yeah, that's yes. We'll we'll, we'll talk about that in due time. So, um,
1: let's start with billboarding school.
0: Ah, yes. This is going to be a little different tonight because uh, I couldn't find any charting data for the, U- the U.S. release of Hot Fuzz soundtrack. There's two separate soundtracks, the U.S. version and the U.K. version. The U.K. version is a little bit more extensive. The U.S. version is kind of 13 or 14 tracks, and that's it. So I do have some uh, data on the U.K. version. So All somehow, right. someway, this album never charted in the U.S., but it did chart in the U.K. on the British soundtrack album charts.
1: Wow. So that, that's didn't the data. they had one of those.
0: Yeah, I I wish we did. So that's the data that I'm coming I'm pulling this from tonight. Hot Fuss debuted on the UK soundtrack charts February 25th, 2007 at number 10. The number 1 soundtrack in the UK that week was the soundtrack for High School Musical. Oh. Yeah.
1: The British are no better than us.
0: Nope, not a bit. Not a yeah. lick. But soundtracks, you know, they tend to stick around if they're really popular. So Hot Fuzz debuted at number 10 right in between at number 9 The Bodyguard and number 11 Grease. And also Dirty Dancing is floating around in this top 10 as well. So uh, the UK soundtrack charts I guess are a place where whatever movie soundtrack is still popular. Like if you put out a really good movie soundtrack, you can still, you know, keep your thing in the charts for Years and years and years.
1: Okay. Since, some. Yeah. Wow.
0: Um, so Hot Coast okay. peaked at number nine the next week and then sank like a stone immediately. Okay. Uh, but, but all the while, the top four in this time span, High School Musical, uh the soundtrack to the TV series Life on Mars, the soundtrack to the TV series Hannah Montana, and Dream Girls.
1: Okay. We were still doing that uh, TV soundtrack. I know I was looking around at um, some other soundtracks that came out in this era and the soundtrack to House
0: oh, yeah, was on yeah. there. Yeah, and I know we talked about that a little bit on the Dinosaurs Show, so maybe sometime we'll dig into more TV soundtracks. I don't know.
1: It's uh, late 90s, early aughts. Um, we're getting music from and inspired by all these different TV shows.
0: Yeah, yeah. So then at the, at the box office, Hot Fuzz grossed $80 million worldwide on a $12 million budget. So it did fairly well for itself. In the U.S., it opened April 20th, 2007. I know because I was there. After Shaun of the Dead, I was there for whatever these guys made. And I went there. I was there like opening night with bells on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it placed six at the box office opening weekend behind Disturbia, Fracture, Blades of Glory, Vacancy, and Meet the Robinsons. Do you remember any of those movies?
1: I've not seen any of those movies, nor do I want to. But I do remember going to see Hot Fuzz and Laughing until I was delirious.
0: So I I think history has spoken. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And then the last notes for the movie, uh, it hung around the top 10 at the box office for a few weeks until, until summer of 2007, when the unholy trifecta of Spider-Man three and Shrek three and Pirates of the Caribbean three all just destroyed it. Woof. Yeah. (laughs) That
1: was a bad time.
0: It was a bad summer. So then hot fuzz. Let's talk about the movie.
1: Yes. Uh
0: the so this is the yeah, the follow-up from Edgar Wright and Simon Pegg who, you know, burst onto the scene with Shaun of the Dead. It was a huge surprise and everybody loved it. So of course, they gave him uh, a bunch of money to make a second movie. So they studied cop movies and talked to a bunch of police officers, interviewed them all and over the course of like 6 months wrote a script for the ultimate cop movie. <laughs>
1: Yes. And Edgar Wright talked about in one interview that the UK doesn't have a tradition of cop dramas mm. the way that Americans do. Right. And they've got a great history of detective fiction, but less the buddy cop drama. So, um, so this was sort of their way of entering into the, the buddy cop genre. No, oh, somewhat drama, lots of explosions, funny, lots of good quips. This movie is endlessly quotable.
0: Gunfights, car chases, mm-hmm. proper action and shit. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, it's it's very much like taking the Sherlock Holmes kind of formula of a murder mystery and then just amping it up to 11 with every cop movie cliche in the book.
1: Yes, and again, that sort of small town... Quaint British murder of mm-hmm. the masters of the cozy, and here we have just this quiet little town with a dark secret
0: yes uh it's this this small town called sandford which uh was it was it was filmed in in wells in the u k which is where Edgar Wright actually grew up, so i am sure he absolutely loved getting to just tear the town apart, <laughs> making this movie. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah the idea
1: or sure, to go and and peek around Edgar Wright filming
0: locations. Yeah, that would be cool. Yeah. Like I would love to go see like the the Winchester is apparently a real bar somewhere. I would love to go there. Um, But yeah, let's, let's get into the movie because the soundtrack is, is pretty front loaded here.
1: Yes. We open on Nicholas Angel, who is played by Simon Pegg. He is really kind of a super cop. He's by the rules. He excels in everything. And we know this because they are playing Adam Ant's Goody Two-Shoes.
0: don't follow fashion. that be a joke. You know we're gonna set them, set them so...
1: love this song. I think in part because I am a goody two-shoes with a, an occasional absurd sense of fashion and also you know how I feel about a horn section.
0: Oh, of course. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but I think this also sets up the soundtrack as kind of that mixtape soundtrack mm-hmm. that that we've mentioned before where everything on here with one exception is a, a pre-existing song. These yeah. aren't B-sides or songs written for the film uh, or sort of not hidden tracks, but not mainstream tracks. These are all fairly, in some cases, well known artists uh, and songs that have been around for a while.
0: Yeah. This was my, absolutely my introduction to Adamant because I had never heard this song before I saw this movie. And it, it's just so delightful, isn't it?
1: A <laughs> fun little song. It is. Oh, uh, I'm just, It's such a great, it's, Uh, it just, it has, it's so instantly recognizable.
0: Mm -hmm. It's that drum beat. It's the horns. It's that, uh, just instantly rockabilly guitar. Yeah. That, that singable chorus, you know, you don't drink, don't smoke. It's, it's great. I I don't know how else to say it. It's great.
1: Drop for Nicholas Mm -hmm. because one, it's iconically British But it really does
0: tell you everything about his character.
1: Yes. Uh, And it's set over the first of many, many, many montages uh, of him just excelling. And he excels so much that he gets sent to Sanford, uh, in part by my boyfriend, Martin Freeman. (laughs) He's my British guy. Like, I know people are like, oh, Benedict Cumberbatch and all these other, like, different handsome British guys. I'm like, Martin Freeman. (laughs) I think he's good looking.
0: It's, it's, yeah, it's it's the it's the trifecta. It's Martin Freeman and Steve Coogan and Bill Nye, Which, oh. like, knowing these knowing who these guys are now, that's amazing. You know, two thousand seven. I, I think I only knew who Bill Nye was because of Shaun of the Dead. Yeah, but oh, like I'm... you you get, you get you're gonna find like this film is just jam packed with so many great British actors.
1: Yes, it's just like the British character actors like Whitman sampler.
0: It's like everybody who wasn't working on Harry Potter was working on Hot Fuzz.
1: They do make sure to let you know that um, he has sustained a handful of injuries on the force, including being stabbed by Santa. Yes. Which I think makes this a Christmas movie.
0: I think so, too. And did you recognize this little screenshot of, of, of Santa stabbing him in the hand? Did you recognize that face? I, I know didn't. He, I know he's got a beard on. That's Peter Jackson. Of course. <laughs> because of course. Of course.
1: So we find out he's being sent to Sanford because he's too good. Now, I know what you're going to say, but the fact is you've been making us all look bad. If we let you carry on running around town, you'll continue to be exceptional. And we can't have that. You'll put us all out of a job. This is like the only movie that you're ever going to catch where I'm like following a cop.
0: Right. There really is only one good cop and his name's Nicholas Angel.
1: I don't know. We could we could debate
0: well arresting yeah. people for yeah. some
1: things, but we're not going to. We're just right. gonna go with the movie's absurd premise. <laughs> sure. Um suspension of disbelief. Um but we learn from his ex, who's a kind of crime scene investigator. Um
0: Kate Blanchett. That What? Kate Blanchett, because of course. Oh,
1: I didn't realize that was her that of course. Yeah. The, I'm not surprised by any of this. Um, after some great costume-based humor because they're all masked and in hazmat suits, which unfortunately is like, oh, that's what we were all wearing in 2020.
0: Yeah, this movie hasn't aged a day.
1: <laughs> He spends too much time on the job and that he has a Japanese piece, Lily. Yes. Those are the two big things. He tells us the window's been broken from the inside and off we go.
0: Yep. He just cannot switch off as characters all constantly tell him throughout this film. Correct. Oh boy, so he yeah he makes the trek to Sanford and is is put up in the the local hotel because his house is not yet ready.
1: Yes, and it is the Swan is the name of the hotel. He is in the castle suite.
0: Oh my God, I didn't even put that together. That, okay. Yeah, that's Actually, a... when
1: you see him okay. go to his room, there's like a swan vase or something.
0: <laughs> see, yeah, there's... Jokes being set up that I didn't even re- recognize. Like I'm still, yeah. I'm still finding jokes in this movie.
1: Yes, Edgar Wright is such a precise filmmaker, which yeah. always makes his films so great to rewatch. Because yeah, you really do always notice something different.
0: Like even, even the ones that don't hit quite so hard are still just well worth watching multiple times. Hmm. Not let's not get into Baby Driver, but uh, anyway, so Angel arrives in town late at night not sure what else to do so hey you go to the pub Mm -hmm. and we get the next song on our soundtrack which is xtc's sergeant rock is gonna help me
1: let's go to a clip (laughs) makes their first official appearance on the podcast. Yes. Of course, they wrote Ballad of Peter Pumpkinhead mm-hmm. from Dumb and Dumber, but they actually appear as themselves in this one. It's Again, iconic British pop singers. These XTC is one of those bands that I've yet to like fully delve into, although I love Oranges and Lemons, like start to finish. Mm-hmm. Um, and the more I listen to them, the more I love them. Uh, because I've just... So swept up by this distinctly British melody line. It's very pastoral.
0: It is. It's it's very relaxed.
1: Yes, but their lyrics are, you know, sarcastic and -hmm. and dry. Um, And these choruses just so deeply steeped in that British invasion sound, but ever so slightly amped as the band heads into the. New Wave movement, which we saw on Goody Two shoes. It's sort of in full swing over there. Right. Um, but where this is this song came out in 1980, so we're just kinda like eking into it as we move out of like psychedelia and into new wave. Mm-hmm. Um and I love that we pair these two songs on the soundtrack because there's a distinct march to it that I really dig in contrast to that big bombast of Goody Two shoes.
0: Right. You kinda you're coming off of that opening high and you're you're starting to slow down a little bit and getting into yeah. the groove of the movie. Yeah. Yeah. I get
1: that. City to small town. Right. As it were. <laughs> um, Andy Partridge, who uh, wrote this song and is kind of weird anyway, hates this song. He <laughs> says it's one of his worst creations, especially given that it was their highest charting single. It peaked at number 16 on the UK charts.
0: Uh, the line that they quote him on uh, Wikipedia says, this this song embarrasses the shit out of me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's no mayor of Simpleton, but it's pretty it's pretty good.
0: Yeah, it, it, he claims that the lyrics were supposed to be ironic, but uh, the way the song came out, it just didn't come across that way.
1: I hear it. I get uh, it. Yeah, I think absolutely. he's being too hard on himself.
0: But... Yeah, I mean, I and mean, yeah. there's other
1: stuff he could be hard on himself about, like saying the Holocaust didn't happen.
0: Yeah, buddy, <laughs> what about that? <laughs> Uh but uh the
1: soundtrack is already starting off really strong.
0: Oh yeah, it's 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 definitely off on the right foot. And so uh Nick's first night in town, he's at the pub. He notices all the kids in the bar are obviously under 18. Excuse me. Well, when's your birthday? 22nd of February.
1: What year? Every year. Get out. <laughs> <It's not laughs> but <wrong>. the the, <laughs> the are serving the kids mm-hmm. and what they say is the greater good it's for the greater good Keeping them off the streets
0: exactly so that's like the first the first inkling that something weird is going on i guess Mm
1: -hmm.
0: but and when he
1: kicks all the kids out the bar is empty
0: Mm -hmm. (laughs) him and the kids and uh the one other person at the bar who is played by nick frost who we find out is danny one of the resident police officers
1: Yes, Danny Butterman, which cracks me up because I have a friend who unfortunately just lost his race for 121st Assembly District, um, whose name is Dan Butterman.
0: Oh, that's a shame. <laughs> now, uh, I do know Nick Frost said that he would do this movie on one condition, and the condition was that he got to, to name his own character.
1: <laughs> and <laughs> he came a- up
0: with Danny Butterman.
1: <laughs> yeah, which is hysterical. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> it's... <laughs> but- it's completely different too from like every up uh, everybody else in town because the entire town, as we meet them, and they all have names, and they're all like, um, like British pastoral sort of farm farming names. You know, mm-hmm. you got characters named Cooper and Weaver and Skinner and Turner Merchant, and it just goes on and on and on. There's definitely like a theme here going on here. Yeah. Of.
1: He's- Butterman.
0: He's Butterman, yeah. And and then of course Angel.
1: oral in its own way.
0: It is, but uh I guess there's really no good no good word for someone who makes butter. So Butterman.
1: <laughs> or a cat that churns butter.
0: Yeah. <laughs> An- Angel and Butterman, uh, who we find out are going to be the the super cop buddy cop team of the movie.
1: But it doesn't start out great for them because um, Danny is uh driving drunk and almost runs over mm-hmm. Nicholas and so he's going to take him in to the station um they catch one of the drunk teens uh peeing outside they take him in and he ends up rounding up a bunch of the kids
0: his first time at the police station he's already arrested five people and he yep. insists on doing all the paperwork the the montage music that we hear yep. as as we see uh Angel processing all the the perps that he's arrested is music from John Spencer and the Elegant Trio. This is Here Come the Fuzz. Let's go to a clip.
1: (laughs) This might be the worst song I've
0: ever heard in my life. It's not really music, is it?
1: No, this is what plays in Hell's Cafeteria it's like if fat boy slim was getting fucked by a robot (laughs) hear billy joel cover real big fish then listen to this again this is the worst song i've ever fucking heard
0: i'll I'll say it again this isn't music this is just stuff to play during a montage i don't even i don't know what to say about it
1: And I hate that this is like the movie's theme. Like this is the song for the movie because this movie deserves better. And I understand that they're trying to do like a Michael Bay homage. Mm -hmm. But that Michael Bay movie didn't need to be Transformers 2.
0: (laughs) I mean, we could have just used the Linkin Park song, right?
1: Oh, God. (laughs) Um, That said, if I was my friend Dan Butterman, I wish I had known this a couple weeks ago. I would have used that cliff of that sweet Dan Butterman. In campaign ads, I would have built him a whole campaign ad that just used that clip <laughs> over and over. Oh, people would have turned out to the polls to make it stop.
0: Oh, and also because he's a
1: good dude, and he would have been a great assemblyman. And The assemblyman we got is a douchebag.
0: Oh, that's a shame. <laughs> that's a shame.
1: Upstate New York, baby. I'm, mm-hmm. um, but oh my god, this is this is like the worst song I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> I,
0: I I get that. Edgar Wright basically commissioned this from John Spencer and just said, just make whatever you want. And I'm not really making that up. That's kind of what he did. Just make whatever you want.
1: Like this, this album is so British Mm -hmm. and he just gets like this American dickweed (laughs) to do the mate, like the, the song for his film. Right. (laughs) Like really, you could not get anybody else. There were no other British artists working. It was two thousand seven. Like Franz Ferdinand would have done this in a heartbeat.
0: Uh, yeah, two thousand seven. Like the darkness needs work. Yeah, come on.
1: <laughs> like really, buddy.
0: Oh boy,
1: <laughs> it's a bad song.
0: It's not great, no. But it, it it gets it gets across the the idea pretty well of just you know this this cop is is doing this all this badass paperwork and fingerprinting and, and photo processing and it's it's they're trying to make this out to be this epic thing and it's it's an okay joke i mean i get the joke but did we need it <laughs> it's the yeah one... well could
1: we have had a better song for it and i think yes we could have
0: oh yeah probably With david so.
1: arnold doing the score yeah sh- sure he could have written something
0: probably so probably so
1: talk about david arnold a bit
0: they throw danny into one of the cells
1: he uh, just walks. Like, ah, oh, cell four's open.
0: Yeah, they just let him go. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Where'd it go? And the next day, we, we cut to the next day where Nick is on his uh, morning jog through the town, and we get the next song on our soundtrack, which is The Kinks, uh, The Village Green Preservation Society. Let's go to a clip.
1: We are the Village Green Preservation Society. God save the old duck for the we are the desperate man, appreciation society. God save strawby jam with all the different brightties. Now this is another almost too perfect needle drop. hmm um, and then clearly you hear uh the influence of the kinks on XTC.
0: Right. Again,
1: yeah. that that uniquely British, slightly psychedelic, I uh, just pastoral melody.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You've got these like these layer cake harmonies, this dark sarcasm. It really is like, what more could you want from a song?
0: Yeah, really. And again, it's such a perfect needle drop because this song is kind of the theme song for the villains of the movie, as we as we will eventually find out.
1: And they're really again, these preservation societies that exist are to keep things quote unquote the way they were. Mm -hmm. Meaning everybody is white and doesn't speak out. And it's run by, you know, old, mean people who just want things perfect. I always feel bad when I find out people live in, for instance, like homeowners associations. Like HOAs are the scourge of society.
0: You don't got to tell me. (laughs) I sure as hell do.
1: Oh, God. I feel bad for you.
0: I pay pay more than I should for the right to use a swimming pool 6 times a year.
1: Oh, god.
0: Not not my favorite arrangement in the world, but what can you do?
1: That's homeowners associations
0: need to be banned. Yeah. I'm um, no arguments here. No arguments. And this
1: here. one is just a town-wide one. This is essentially I I'm surprised oh, in fact that we don't get a little reference to Roadhouse in here because that's what Brad Wesley wants to do. Mm-hmm. He calls yeah. it like the, pres- the preservation society. Like Brad Wesley is essentially doing what the Neighborhood Watch Alliance is doing. You know, kind of keeping everybody in line. So I'm really surprised mm-hmm. that Edgar Wright didn't write even just like one or two lines about Roadhouse in there. Although Roadhouse isn't a cop film, so
0: I That's guess true. that makes
1: sense. As we talked about in our Roadhouse episode, there are no cops in Jasper.
0: Yeah, not not a one. So yeah, I guess that makes sense because Edgar Wright is nothing if not very particular. Yes. But it, I, I just also just want to mention, of course they would call themselves NWA. Of course mm-hmm. old British people would do that and not realize that NWA means something else to anybody younger than them.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh boy.
1: Feel this. And again, that's such a like Gen X reference. <laughs> it is. <laughs>
0: But yeah, like I, I, I do love like the rye sarcasm in this song because like of course the kinks are making fun of groups like this.
1: Yes. But the way they just
0: rattle off these like preservation societies and appreciation societies and consortiums and all this is just like these people are everywhere and they do nothing.
1: Yeah. They do nothing except make sure that people are miserable in their own homes.
0: Yeah. I, I my favorite my favorite, the one that I would probably actually join. It's the Sherlock Holmes English speaking vernacular.
1: Okay. <laughs> Help not, save not, Fu- uh, for the preservation of Donald
0: Duck. Uh, he doesn't wear pants. <laughs> Fuck that guy. Help save Fu Manchu, Moriarty and Dracula. <laughs> That's a group I could get behind. Maybe not Fu Manchu, but you know.
1: <laughs> I guess yeah, I could support that. Yeah. You got to get Dracula, don't we folks?
0: Yeah, who doesn't love go- who doesn't love a good Dracula? <laughs> and they're like, I remember the first time I heard this song, I thought it was just so chintzy and stupid. But like, then I grew up a little bit and realized, oh, they are making a point here.
1: It's fucking hysterical! It's great. The Kinks are funny. Like "Ape Man" is a great song. Mm-hmm. Like I just want to go like live in the forest and be a Sasquatch.
0: <laughs> yeah, like like,
1: the- the- like about wanting to be an ape man because they're the that's greatest. amazing
0: like i could really feel in my mid to late as, as my late 30s are starting to dawn on me like i'm going to just get into the Kinks. that's just what's gonna happen to me
1: yeah i keep like really meaning like i'm really gonna get into the Kinks, and then i uh,
0: mm-hmm. keep i mean yeah they're a not. band like, <laughs> all the hits that i've heard i love so why wouldn't i you know
1: dancing is, is come beautiful dancing like is come dancing best. makes me sad
0: oh yeah it's the best but it's also very tragic
1: just song like just makes me like deeply, deeply, deeply sad.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, and again, like I know we've talked about this before. It's another example of like classic rock, like '60s bands making it to the '80s and suddenly discovering that reggae was a thing. With all those steel drums in that song are not an accident. <laughs> fair,
1: fair. Anyway, on um, yes, but we also so we meet uh, on this jog. We meet Simon Skinner. Yes, played by Timothy Dalton,
0: the absolute yeah. greatest of all time, Timothy Dalton
1: warns that he's a slasher and that he needs to be arrested
0: he's a slasher of prices
1: <sighs> hornball
0: <laughs> what a good yeah like the first thing you say to the new cop in town i'm a slasher
1: his prices are criminal yep like and there's so much to love about this movie but watching it this time mm-hmm. it's like timothy dalton is my favorite thing about this film
0: oh 100 yes it's
1: just hard because i love simon pegg and i love nick ross and i love so much of this film but like timothy dalton just stole it this time
0: oh yeah like he's he's one of those actors. Like everybody knows him that that he got like a couple of james bond movies but like everything else i see him in he is just so electric and so fun like like the rocketeer where he's like secretly like the the secret nazi villain of that movie he's great um uh what else oh flash gordon he's he is in flash gordon for little bit of that and it's just like oh my god there's fucking timothy dalton's on screen and he's always fun he he knows exactly what kind of movie he's in every time
1: yeah he just seems to have fun with his craft
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: just effervescent it's joyful you feel it radiate (laughs) off the screen
0: he's gleefully evil in this movie even when like you you think he might not be the villain (laughs) he's the villain (laughs) look at him
1: yeah look at this guy yes he is
0: oh boy but yeah, Nick's walk, Nick's t- uh, doing his morning jog, and he's you know seeing, getting the lay of the town. He's encountering all the townspeople, and uh, yeah, it's 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 a good setup for the end of the film when he also has to ride into town and take care of business.
1: Yes. Um. We then uh, we get to meet Danny now as a policeman mm-hmm. in his uniform, um, and we meet his dad Frank, who's the chief. Um, and he notes that he's somewhat of a wild west nut, which we'll put a pin in that because that's going to come back into play. Oh, absolutely. As does everything. Um, I kind of agree with Frank though, because his, uh, he says, you know, you don't have to arrest people, uh, for, you know, little hijinks. Let the people do minor crimes.
0: Right. Right.
1: Yeah, I mean, we find out that he's not arresting them. He's murdering them, but let the people do minor crimes. Mm
0: hmm. As he says later, everyone will get their just desserts as he's eating like a giant slice of cake.
1: Yeah. He talks about the guy before him or before Nicholas.
0: Yeah, he's a predecessor. And Sergeant Popwell was
1: an exceptional officer, truly exceptional. And he had one thing you haven't got. What's that, sir? A great big bushy beard. That's just one of those lines that like lives rent free in my head.
0: Especially now that I do have a great big bushy beard. I enjoy that a lot.
1: Really like having a moment.
0: He was because like he was he was also in the Harry Potters at the at the time. He
1: and he sort uh, of became known to American audiences from Moulin mm. Rouge.
0: Yeah, that's right.
1: Which we're about to get a real pot shot uh, like at Baz Luhrmann, which I'm really excited about.
0: But yeah, then we also meet the the police liaison to the neighborhood watch alliance, where he's got the the big the big wall of uh, security cameras around town, and he's complaining about like the the living statue.
1: Okay, those things are a scourge, though.
0: They are the worst. But he has this one great line where he says, if we don't come down hard on these clowns, we're going to be up to our balls and jugglers. <laughs> oh, God. So he meets the whole department, the whole police department, uh, including, including the Andes. Including the Andes. Who are uh, rocking
1: those 70s cop stashes God, so yeah. hard. They look like they look. Like the Beastie Boys in Sabotage.
0: They do, yeah. So it's, uh, <laughs> Rafe Spall and Patty Considine, who are, are just, they're just like the, the greatest dickheads in the world. Uh, and then the one female cop on the force was played by Olivia Colman, who all of a sudden now is like a huge actress.
1: Yes, she's, she's very funny. Mm-hmm. Um, and he gets a good line because he says, you know, a police officer. We don't say police woman. He's like, but she is a police woman. I've seen her bra. <laughs> She's very, very funny in this movie.
0: Oh yeah! So the whole department goes to the pub for lunch, and the next song on our soundtrack plays, which is uh, a, a song I'm not entirely sure I understand, called "Baby Fratelli" by the Fratellis. <laughs> so let's play a clip of that. I
1: I still love this indie British wave of the early aughts. Mm-hmm. I Franz Ferdinand is a better band than the Killers. There, I said it.
0: Agreed, agreed.
1: I'm, um, and the fratellis are one of those bands that continues to grow on me even now. Um, I've loved Flathead for years, and of course, everybody knows that song from mm. the iPod commercial, which. When you listen to that song, you're like, that is an absolutely filthy song.
0: Chelsea Dagger. Oh, yeah.
1: (laughs) In an iPod commercial.
0: So speaking of that one real quick. So uh, we like to go to the local minor hockey league uh, sometimes. And the the Winston Thunderbirds. And every time the Thunderbirds score a goal, they play Chelsea Dagger and everybody starts dancing.
1: (laughs) Nice. It's
0: wonderful. (laughs)
1: That's that's really cool. I I love the Pertellis. I love the cover to Costello music. Like, I think it's a really gorgeous cover. Like, I
0: just I, I just, love it. I, yeah,
1: they've got these big football match melodies and this glam rock sound.
0: Yeah, it's they're like they're like an overcharged like bar band almost.
1: Yes, because
0: every every song yes. that I hear from them is is so like big and broad and fun. Like you just want to sing along to it.
1: Yeah, they're made for like the whole pub singing along. Yeah. And I, I love that about them. It's such a, it's a very specific UK sound. that American bands just couldn't replicate. You know, over uh, on, on our side of the pond at that time, we had the Killers, we had the Hives, we had the Strokes, and they just couldn't do it as well as the Fratellis and Franz Ferdinand were doing it.
0: Yeah, like the only band I can think of that does kind of what the Fratellis do is the Hold Steady.
1: Yeah, but the Hold Steady, uh, I always think of them almost more folk um because i got into some of their later stuff Um, mm-hmm. it's not it's it's it doesn't have like the sleaze to it lyrically it does right but it yeah. doesn't have that sort of dance pop overwash
0: yeah it's got more kind of like a, a weird midwestern sort of cowpunk thing going on which yeah. I, I yeah that's fine but like in, in my head the hold steady are like the american fratellis <laughs>
1: But one of the things that I really love about this soundtrack is it has such a genuine love for the British sound, past mm-hmm. and present. Yeah, they could put a bunch of really cliched tracks on there, but they choose not to. And Edgar Wright, as as we were saying earlier, is meticulous in curating these soundtracks, and this one is really no exception with um the John Spencer, yeah, uh, song. <laughs> notwithstanding, um, the UK has master pop music in a way that Americans like simply cannot match, from the psychedelia and pastoral pop to new wave and no wave, post-punk, Madchester, and all the way up through this uh, sort of post-post-punk indie sleaze phase Mm. that this movie finds itself in the center of.
0: Right, yeah. Because this really is sort of, in 2007, kind of the last wave of rock music being... A force of any kind and it's just kind of dying out after this so of course Edgar Wright's going to kind of look back at the the 70s and 70s and 80s because you know that's the that's like prime time classic rock for him but I, I like that you get the Fratelli's in there as well like kind of classic and current
1: yeah and these they layer on each other we can see where each draws from yeah, yeah. the other and that's again part of that meticulousness I'm um, This soundtrack also uh, came out in the era of iTunes. Yes. And people are buying fewer and fewer CDs. And I think that also has a little bit of an influence on the type of soundtrack it is. Uh, Because as people are rebuilding these music collections, you're bringing in music that, like from all these other eras, that may not have made it into your CD collection, but one or two songs, kind of cherry picked. Does that right. make sense? Yeah, yeah. So, well, because th- we're no longer doing sort of full albums as we collect music, we're picking singles,
0: right? And especially with i the iTunes uh, format, where it's it's just never been easier to just pick one song, pay ninety nine cents for it, and you know leave the rest alone. Mm-hmm. So th- those those playlists and those soundtracks get kind of built up. You're right. They, they they pick a handful of songs and the rest just kind of gets gets left in the lurch.
1: If you, like you look back in like I um, soundtracks of the 90s that we've talked about, their songs written for the film, their B-sides, their rarities. I um, you know, I um, then we move up into like the the 2000s. Um, or even you know, 1999, as we're starting to bridge that gap. Like I'm looking at the Cruel Intentions soundtrack, and that's got Fatboy Slim "Praise You," mm-hmm. uh, you know, which we were hearing on on the radio. Right. Bittersweet Symphony by the Verve is on there. That was popular, so we're we're moving more into that. This is what's on the radio, so let's put it on our soundtrack.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um,
1: and then up into Juno which came out the same year as Hot Fuzz on, um, you know, it's, it's Buddy Holly, it's Bell and Sebastian, it's Sonic Youth, Motha Hoople. Um, it, these are all pre-existing songs.
0: Right, yeah.
1: So the Juno soundtrack also had one of the worst songs I've ever heard.
0: Well, it's the and Juno I'm soundtrack.
1: Li- yes, well, it had a <laughs> song called Vampire by uh, Kimia Dawson. Of the moldy peaches. Mm-hmm. And as I recall, it just goes, I'm a vampire, I'm a vampire, I'm a vampire, I'm a vampire, and it's the dumbest fucking song I've ever heard in my life. I hated Juno. <laughs> you know. I hate
0: that movie. I have never felt less cool than I did watching Juno in theaters and watching Elliot Page and Michael Sarah play a moldy peaches song and going, What the fuck is this? <laughs> like somebody thinks this is cool, but not me.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Juno's Juno's a terrible movie.
0: Yeah, it's no. No, let's move on from that.
1: <laughs> yes, um, but this this soundtrack actually listening to it reminded me that like I really need to get back into the Fratellis because mm-hmm. I really I really do love them. Like, yeah, me time too. To give Costello music another spin. It's been a couple of years,
0: right? Yeah, and we'll yeah. meet back up with the Fratellis in a little bit because there's one more song from them on the soundtrack.
1: Yeah, he was really gunning for them, and I don't feel like they ever quite got the love that we wanted them to have.
0: No, maybe not. Like but, I said,
1: Franz Ferdinand was right there.
0: Yeah. But uh, so, yeah, the, the the police department's hanging out at the pub and they're kind of explaining how everything goes down in Sanford to, to Nicholas Angel. There are more guns in the country than there are in the city.
1: Everybody and their mums is packing around there. Like who? Farmers.
0: Who else? Farmers' mums. <laughs> Which absolutely gets paid off later.
1: Yes, and Danny asks if he's ever had to shoot someone, um, which he admits that he has. Um, He also asks if he's ever fired two guns while whilst flying through the air. (laughs) Yeah. So Um, when this actually does happen, it will come as no surprise.
0: Absolutely not. And Danny, you know,
1: right then, if you've ever seen an Edgar Wright movie, like he's gonna fly through the air whilst firing two guns at once.
0: Yeah, like one of his favorite moves to do is to have a scene where they basically explain how the end of the movie is going to go, but do it in like oblique language that you're not going to understand until you see the end of the movie. I love, I just, I love that. But anyway, so later Nick goes to meet the NWA as they're at their first sort of round table meeting of the film. And it's this, it's like immediately you're like, okay, this is like a secret cult, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it has big secret cult energy.
0: But it's just like the most, the nicest, like, you know, local community, like, oh, such and such had their baby this week. Let's clap for them. Yeah. And
1: they do a flower arrangement says, Welcome, Sergeant.
0: Mm hmm. Yep.
1: It seems nice, but.
0: But there's something weird going on here.
1: <laughs>
0: but we don't dwell on it too much because, you know, the next day, Angel's giving a, a talk to a bunch of school kids about police work. And you know, the next song on our soundtrack plays, which is Slippery Rock 70s. <laughs>
1: By Stavely Makepeace, which uh this song, they were sort of a novelty act mm. in the 70s. Um it this one isn't particularly noteworthy. Again, it's that psychedelia. Um, but one of the producers apparently heard this on an album and decided to include it, although I'm not sure why. So he said it's not particularly a standout. Um it's from 1972 and sounds every second of it. It's like if purple and orange paisley polyester had a sound.
0: <laughs> if, if shag carpet could play an instrument, it would sound like this.
1: Yes. And weirdly, like I hear it and it has a taste. It has like a slippery taste. <laughs> like you ever like gotten something on a shirt and you're like, eh? You try yeah, to like, it, like, it it taste it, like that?
0: Well, yeah, It makes my tongue itch. Yeah.
1: yeah that's what this song <laughs> tastes like.
0: It's very... I've never tasted
1: a song before, but, like, I can tell you what this song tastes
0: like. Mm-hmm. It's not great. Again, like, it's perfect sort of backing music for a movie, and that's exactly how they use it here.
1: Fascinating. I would not, watching the film, I would not have been like, oh, that's somebody else's song.
0: Right. I just like,
1: thought, oh, that's part of the score. Like
0: they just made up some weird thing. No, this this existed for 30 years before they put it in this movie.
1: Yes. Wow. Well.
0: And it's again. It gets put into use as uh, montage music as as Nick and Danny are walking down the street, and Danny's asking more police questions, <laughs> asking if he's he's ever fired his gun in the air and gone ah, like in the end of uh, uh, <laughs> Point Break. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy,
1: speak questions about cop movies all day. I love Nick Frost.
0: <laughs> he's great. I
1: love that man. He's just so perfect.
0: Like, and not, not to not to put his acting abilities down but he always struck me as just like uh, the best friend that kind of got stuck into the movies because his his best friend Simon Pegg is a superstar a superstar but no he's you know he's a legitimate actor in his own right and he's hilarious he's adorable
1: yes he's perfect he could play you
0: he could <laughs> uh so then uh they go to the grocery store um where nick immediately catches uh somebody stealing snacks from one of the aisles chases him down i swear to god this guy i always thought this guy looked like jimmy fallon this uh, guy okay. in the purple track suit
1: yeah i can see that
0: always thought it was jimmy fallon apparently it's not but you could have fooled me uh but this is the guy who you know when uh skinner decides not to press charges uh butterman senior says i'll make sure everyone gets their just desserts we don't you're when you're not you when you are not gonna see him again
1: Oh, he's he's gonna get murdered. Um, but actually, while they're in the supermarket, Ian noticed that as Danny is looking through the movies, there's a copy of Shaun and the Dead.
0: Oh, him. nice. <laughs>
1: yeah. Now, I uh, we get the chase scene that we talked about. Yeah, that was the in, uh, inspiration for our opening bit where I. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nicholas just goes over the fences, is doing flips and everything, and uh, Danny just plows right through.
0: Right. And of course, it's a callback to Shaun of the Dead where um, Simon Pegg tries to jump over a fence and the fence immediately falls over. And so this time, he is exceedingly um, agile in climbing and jumping over all the fences.
1: Yes. um, And they're sort of sidetracked by a swan that has gotten loose.
0: Right. Because someone, someone calls into the station and... To report that the swans gotten loose, and Nick thinks it's a, a prank call because the guy's name is P. I. Staker, as in piss taker. Mm. Piss taker. But no, it's it's a very real person with a very real swan, and it's Stephen Merchant, because mm-hmm. apparently he was he wasn't good enough for the Harry Potters.
1: Ah,
0: <laughs> no, Stephen Merchant. Oh, Stephen Merchant's great. I'm, I'm glad he's in this movie, even for a little bit.
1: <laughs> I'm. But he manages to take down the shoplifter with a can of spray paint.
0: That's that's fantastic.
1: And he just beams him with. I mm-hmm. um, uh, we get another great line. There's so many funny, hysterical, lines in this. Um, where he asks Dan or uh, Dan where he asks Danny, you know, why weren't you looking? He says, "Well, I'm not made of eyes." <laughs>
0: Well, why isn't he made of eyes?
1: But, um, but as Mr. Skinner says, uh, uh, you know, they want to give him another chance. We get our next song.
0: Yeah, this is the Trogs, right? Okay.
1: I can't control myself. Let's go to the, go to the. I can't
0: stand still because you've got me going.
1: Your slacks are low and your hips are showing Black hair. You going with no one else. Getting more and more into garage rock lately. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the grittiness that's also harmonic, and it fits the way I dance, because <laughs> I dance like a deranged go-go dancer. Um, this one doesn't shoot to the top of my charts, but I like it enough to explore further, even though uh, the Trog's biggest song, Wild Thing, I don't like at all.
0: Yeah, like we pointed out on our um, something wild episode, the wild thing sucks hard. Wow. But I also They're I great. like I like this song better. I think this is a better song. It's a more interesting song. Yeah, it's got a better
1: texture to it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it feels um, it feels more like that sort of British invasion kind of pop rock kind of vibe. I, I can I can get it get down on this one.
1: Yes, and but also as you pin it to the fratelli song that we just heard Mm -hmm. you can hear its influence on the fratellis
0: definitely definitely yes is
1: really 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 fantastic um but alas danny is worried that he's missing out on all the car chases and gunfights yeah that he believes police work to be i just feel like i'm missing
0: out sometimes i want to do what you do you do do what i do what on earth do you think you're missing out on Gunfights, car chases, proper action and shit.
1: Um, but then they, of course, get into a car chase with Martin Blower and Lucy Punch, who are yes. late for rehearsal.
0: But not just any rehearsal. Oh, yes. They're doing an homage to Baz Luhrmann's Romeo and Juliet.
1: the worst thing i've ever seen and i have seen baz Luhrmann's romeo and Juliet. yeah
0: he he offers them ticket you know free tickets as a, a penance for his his speeding nick tears them up but as soon as they get back to the station uh frank butterman gives them his tickets to see the show so they have to go anyway and um, it's legit get
1: another great line from this as he's writing down everything that blower is saying mm-hmm you think this is sufficient reason to travel at 48 in a 30 zone? Well, I... To flout speed limits specifically uh, put in place to save lives. This, look, this is preposterous. Preposterous. Look, stop
0: writing! Stop writing.
1: <clears throat> and he points out, you know, always keep her notebook with you. It'll save your life.
0: And it's it's that, like, little moments like that where you realize that Nick Angel it is it legitimately, like... He, he, I hesitate to say good cop, but like you can tell he like actually believes in what he's doing.
1: Mm-hmm. You know,
0: like he's not just yeah. some asshole. He's really trying to keep the town safe. Yes. And doing the right oh. thing, which is important <laughs> because he's the main character of our movie.
1: Yes, exactly. Um, but they do end up at this production of Romeo and Juliet, which ends with a dance party to, uh, <laughs> of them singing the Cardigan's love pool. And that is a dig.
0: It's, it's a, the shots fired, shots across the bow. That's
1: fucking hysteria. And I just got that joke on this watch. I'm like, -hmm. of course, love who was in the Romeo and Juliet soundtrack. That's brutal.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's the most (laughs) brutal
1: thing I've ever seen. I have a funny story about that though. Uh oh. So I did a production of Midsummer Night's Dream in 2002. Mm -hmm. uh, When I was in college, that was directed by Poe's creator, Steve Canals. Not making this up. Lovely person. And it ended with us, like, doing the Macarena to (laughs) She's a Brick House. Oh, no. (laughs) And when I saw this, it was, like, the flashbacks it triggered (laughs) were deep (laughs) and painful.
0: Oh, my God.
1: I've been on that stage doing that exact same stupid, pointless end of the movie dance party. Mm Mm-hmm. It was like that it's such a specifically early aughts thing that like I didn't I didn't think that experience was something that anybody else had. And then somehow Edgar Wright distilled that and put that in the film. <laughs> he stole from me, I think is what I'm saying.
0: Did, did <laughs> how, how deep and intense was your shame?
1: <laughs> Remains deep and intense. Oh, deep. So intense. I have photos of it. I'll have to dig them out. That's bad. But that was the night I met my husband. So
0: So I guess it
1: all worked out.
0: Yeah. You don't want to you don't want to poke too hard at that one.
1: (laughs) We also meet Tim Messenger, our reporter who wants to get their review of uh, the show. Um, His headline being cop enjoys watching young lovers.
0: That's just that's just grossly inappropriate. Oh, my God. But yeah, Tim Messenger is going to play an important role here soon enough. Um, but they they meet Martin Blower. They meet I, Eve Draper is her name. And uh, Danny says, hopefully that's the last we'll see of him. And we immediately cut to a, a shot of a hooded figure holding an axe.
1: Yep. There is uh champagne and then an axe murder. Yes. And it's framed as a car accident
0: yeah somehow some way yeah it gets framed as a car we see
1: there's a lot of blood in this scene and then two decapitated heads in the road and he's like oh that's right this movie is really gory
0: yeah you're gonna you're gonna find that out real quick but um we're skipping ahead a little bit because we got two songs we have to talk about because before we find out that this whole murder has been framed as a, a car a traffic collision uh, we get a, a scene where Danny and Nick have to go out to meet a farmer because he's been trimming his neighbor's hedges, and they find out that he has a huge stockpile of weapons that he does not have permits for, including a like an old World War II sea mine. And when the sea mine accidentally, quote unquote, gets activated, uh, they... They exit the premises in spectacular fashion, and they're playing the song called "Lethal Fuzz." That's what it's called on the soundtrack. It's a remix of music that I'm not making this up. It was trailer music for Lethal Weapon Three. So that that's how deep and and abiding like Edgar Wright's love of cop movies is. Like he he grabbed the trailer music for Lethal Weapon Three and stuck it in his movie.
1: Yeah, it's um it's not
0: for me it's okay but like that's not the only that's not the only cop movie music he uses here because he's also stuck in music from point break and music from bad boys too mm-hmm. so edgar wright definitely like, you can't say he didn't do his homework
1: no this man is nothing if not precise
0: yes and then uh very quickly after this they're uh bringing all the all the guns back into the storeroom which will come into play much later And they decide to celebrate by going to the pub. And the next song that we hear is the original version of Solid Gold Easy Action by T-Rex. Because while Danny and and Nicholas are at the bar, they also encounter um, Mr. Merchant, I believe his name is. And they have to escort him back home. But unbeknownst to them, the killer is about to strike again because Merchant's house blows up. And it's been made to look like uh, he was trying to make himself dinner and the gas stove exploded.
1: A fry-up, yes. A
0: fry-up, yes.
1: Some hangover food.
0: Yes. Uh, and beans and bacon. It's the most British thing I can think of.
1: Yes, and toast.
0: And toast. You can't forget the toast. But the next morning is when they encounter the traffic accident, and they cordon off the street, and Skinner drives by and, and to see what's going on, and we hear the next song on our soundtrack. It's playing from his radio. It's Fire by... The crazy world of Arthur Brown. I am the god of hellfire, and I bring you fire. I'll take you to burn. burn fire. I'll take you to learn. I'll see you now. Okay, Libby, what is this? <laughs>
1: This is bonkers is what it is. Um, this, it did not surprise me that this album also contained a cover of I Put a Spell on You. You could hear the influence of Screaming Jay Hawkins on The Crazy World of Arthur Brown. Mm -hmm. But it's like this album, also called The Crazy World of Arthur Brown, is one of those that it seems really tame given what it inspired Mm -hmm. because everybody who did this sort of big stage show was inspired by Arthur Brown. We're talking Alice Cooper. We're talking heavy metal entirely as a genre. Peter Gabriel all draw influence from that weird banshee laugh and that I am the god of hellfire. Mm -hmm. Because it's it's wild. It's psychedelic. It's just bombastic there's a little bit of blues in there because you can hear some of uh the doors especially something like people are strange which had come out uh the year before This song is from 1968 right which feels weird to listen to it because it is so weird and spooky um and it's that big hammond organ at the top there that just adds to the madness
0: yeah and like think about like the songs that came out in 1968 that this would have like you would have heard this on the radio next to Like you would have heard this next to like Magic Carpet Ride or uh, Jumpin' Jack Flash or Lady Madonna. And then you hear this guy screaming about him being the god of hellfire. Yeah. That's that's just wild.
1: Yeah. And it's just it's one of those things when you think about how diverse music was at that point and what we were pulling from. Mm -hmm. It's so fun to think about just everything that was happening in that late 60s, early 70s. Right, like there was all these new sounds we were developing. It's really exciting.
0: There really were no rules either. It's great, and oh. and uh, you you mentioned heavy metal earlier. Of course, uh, who would go on to do a cover of this in two thousand five? Ozzy Osbourne.
1: It's just iconic.
0: Yeah, like you have uh, you'd genre, have to.
1: It, yes, this one is a little on the nose. If we're being honest, kind of. Uh, but then again, so is Goody Two Shoes.
0: Right, but then I guess. I guess I'll give it the benefit of the doubt because they use it so sparingly. Like, it's yeah, just... It's very a,
1: It's in and out.
0: It's in and out, yeah. But, like, it's... You're right. It's kind of on the nose.
1: But it's a fun song, <clears throat> so I'm going
0: to allow it. Yeah, yeah. And, it, and you know... And again,
1: that, that Edgar Wright specificity.
0: Exactly, exactly. Like, I, I can't say that I know of another movie soundtrack that uses this song. I'm sure there is one, but I can't think of one.
1: I'm- now that I know about the top of my head. Right. I knew, uh, My friend Matthew put this on a mix for me. Um, probably around 2009. Um, just randomly.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That's where I first heard it. That's cool. Yeah.
0: Yeah, um, this, like, I, I remember I picked up the, the Hot Fuzz soundtrack after I saw this movie. And so a lot of these songs have been rattling around in my head since, you know, 2007. And this is one that, like, I had never encountered before and it just like i still can't quite wrap my head around
1: it <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 weird it's mm-hmm. very very weird song um but i don't know i kind of dig it yeah. cuz it just was it it was so out of this world
0: yeah i mean it's the time
1: nothing else sounded like it except the only other person really doing that was like screaming jay hawkins over
0: uh in america exactly yeah
1: We skipped a part on where Danny and Nicholas spend the evening watching Point Break and Bad Boys 2.
0: Ah, yes. Point Break or Bad Boys 2? Which one do you think I prefer? No, I mean, which one do you want to watch first? You are pulling my leg.
1: Which film do you prefer?
0: (sighs) I'm going to say Point Break, but it's only because I've never seen Bad Boys 2.
1: Watch Bad Boys 2 a long time ago, mm-hmm. um, but I'm gonna say Point Break also.
0: Yeah, I think Point Break's got more going for it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I'll, at some point, I will watch Bad Boys too, but uh, eh, <laughs> you know.
1: Hi, oh Point Break.
0: Hi, O Point Break away.
1: Uh, Danny is watching it like he doesn't know how it ends.
0: Yeah. <laughs> And
1: of course, there's some great cuts.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Well, there is when, when he first puts on Bad Boys 2 and he says this shit's about to go off and he hits the button, it immediately cuts to a merchant's house exploding, which is fantastic.
1: Edgar Wright is a master of that razor sharp cut.
0: Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. So the next day is the it's like a the, the community church picnic and Nick and Danny are are required to be the to police this event. And this is where the next murder happens because a uh, local reporter, Tim messenger gets a, uh, <laughs> a church spire dropped on his head, yes. but not before he tries to give some vital information to Nicholas Angel about, well, we find this out later. Some very yes, important information about the town.
1: Yes. That the murders are all linked.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and they believe that um it's tied to a new shopping center that they want
0: to build right and so uh, nick has to do a little bit of soul searching and he puts he puts his theory together and he and danny go through the evidence together in a montage to as the next song on our soundtrack plays which is cozy powell's dance with the devil music that really is kind of perfect montage music because it really is just like a drum track
1: yes but what a drum track i mean this is insane
0: (laughs) this is wonderful yeah
1: yes and um cozy powell drummed with like literally everybody rainbow white snake brian may jeff beck group just everybody Mm -hmm. um and if this sounded familiar it's because it was later sampled for I'm Too Sexy by anti-shirt and anti-vax dance duo, right? Said Fred.
0: Wow. I hadn't put that together, yep. but I hear it now.
1: Yep. Um, it's loosely based on Jimi Hendrix's uh, third stone from the sun. Okay. And that's uh, the legend Susie Quattro on bass.
0: Oh, nice.
1: This is a very a stack track.
0: Yeah, not a lot to say about this one for me other than just like it's a killer drum beat.
1: Yeah, it really is. And it, it 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 it's better montage music than Slippery Rock 70s. Yeah,
0: I I agree. I would agree with that. But oh, This one nails it. So the problem now is that this is the last track on the soundtrack that we hear for the rest of the film. Uh because at this point, you know, Nick has his his uh murder mystery lined up and he's got his theories and he's trying to basically solve the murders and the soundtrack really drops out from here.
1: Yeah. Um this we just we get score but no soundtrack.
0: Yeah. Just to briefly recap it, because you know, if you haven't seen Hot Fuzz, you should absolutely go watch it. It's it's hysterical. But uh Nick soon realizes that it the NWA is behind everything. Mm-hmm. And he has this grand this grand plot where they're they're murdering people who are trying to set up, you know, a new shopping district in town that's going to mess up uh, Skinner's business. And as he crashes a an NWA meeting and explains this to them, they reveal to him that no, actually, we just really hated these people. Like it's yeah. th- their reasoning is so much simpler than than he he yeah. wasted all this time explaining.
1: <laughs> it's so petty.
0: Yeah, it's it's, it's it, like you said earlier. It is dumb HOA bullshit.
1: Yes, and they're super racist towards uh, Romany people.
0: Yes, yes, they
1: are. Um, but they they have a motto of what they want. We lost the title, and Irene lost her mind. She drove her Datsun Cherry into Sanford Gorge. From that moment on, I swore that I would do her proud and whatever the cost
0: we would make Sanford great again uh, you didn't think we were be talking yeah. about this in this in this episode did you
1: oh but it just <laughs> oh the ah oh, it just it makes your heart like seize from it you're like no 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 this was this was years before this was like, a yeah, decade wh- before
0: Watching this movie in in the year of our Lord, 2020, and and hearing Jim Brubbins say, make Sanford great again, my feet just dropped out from under me. (laughs) I spiraled into depression.
1: (laughs) Honestly, though, like Cooperstown, New York. Really? I wouldn't be surprised if they murdered people up there. Cooperstown has this big, big, like, greatest village energy. Mm.
0: So if, it's if you unsettling. The, if you say the wrong thing about baseball, they'll disappear you real quick.
1: It's, um, it's not great. I'm really glad I don't work there anymore. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, uh, so yeah, in, in an attempt to save Nick's life, Danny stabs him uh, with the stabbing trick that he showed us earlier.
1: Yes, it's just ketchup.
0: up. It's just ketchup. And he, he traffics him out of out of town and tells him to get the hell out. And he, of course of course he has to you have to reference Chinatown here where he says, Forget it, Nicholas, it's Sanford.
1: hmm Um I also like cause he says, you know, your dad is, is killing people. He's trying to be judge, jury, and executioner. To <laughs> which Danny replies, he's not Judge Judy and executioner, which is a line we use a lot.
0: Uh Poor Danny. I love him so much.
1: So perfect and beautiful.
0: Oh. So then Nick goes to a gas station and he sees this wall, this DVD rack of, of cop movies, which, you know, remember we could go to gas stations and see people selling movies.
1: Yeah. just it, That's, it again, a very 2007.
0: <laughs> this world thing. doesn't exist anymore. But he sees all these cop movies and he realizes exactly what he has to do, which is apparently just murder everybody. <laughs>
1: Um he doesn't kill anybody though. He
0: does not. He he specifically yes. does not.
1: But um they definitely there is a just massive gunfight that breaks out. Uh with a lot of non-lethal kills um but everybody, the priest, um the bar keeps, everybody mm-hmm. is packing heat. The farmers, the farmers' mums. <laughs> but yeah, there's a good long extended fight scene that ends in the model village. Yep. Uh, which seems like a weird thing to have in your town.
0: Skinner gets the most grisly send-off I've ever seen in a film.
1: Yes, um, he is impaled on the church spire through the roof of his mouth.
0: Yeah, so... the Ugh. so Oh, you thought what happened to Tim Messenger wasn't foreshadowing? Oh, it was.
1: Yes, indeed. And I think it's implied that he's the one that did it.
0: I think so, too. Yeah. Yes. But um, um, the, the the day is saved... And Frank gets <laughs> Frank gets arrested when he tries to get away, and the Swan shows up in his car.
1: Yes, but not before Butterman gets his chance to fire a gun on the in the air while screaming, "No!" Nah! <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> he lets his dad more or less get away until he crashes his car because right. of the
0: Swan. And so, what's uh, the what is it? The next day or so, they're all doing their paperwork. And one last thing has to happen.
1: <laughs> yes, indeed, because we still have Chekhov's C mine.
0: Yes, and the head of the H or the the HOA, uh, uh, the guy who watches all of the cameras, pops out of the police station with like an old ancient like blunderbuss. <laughs> uh huh. Tries to shoot Nick in the chest, and Danny takes the bullet for him. Huh. <sighs> and then the old man gets you know, activates the C mine, and the entire precinct explodes.
1: Mm-hmm. of course of course but the one thing i mean you only you get danny running away from the or let me take that again yeah. you get uh angel running away from the explosion in slow motion mm-hmm. but without a second person running away from the explosion it just doesn't have the same punch
0: yeah it's it's not listen this movie did not cost a lot of money okay
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> they can only do so much but they do a fake out where you think Danny might actually be dead. Like
1: It's not. It's his mom.
0: It's his mom. Oh, I, th- I think they learned their lesson because supposedly when they screened Shaun of the Dead for American audiences, one of the things that they were not prepared for was how terrified or how just like grief stricken American viewers were when Ed dies. Mm-hmm. So I think they realized, like, oh, well, we can't kill Danny in this one.
1: Yeah.
0: Because we love him too
1: he's, much. He's fine.
0: He's fine. Uh, and then they go racing off as the credits roll to uh, what what, it, what is it? The next like their next call where they're supposed to like arrest a bunch of hippies for messing with a trash can or something. Something so mundane something like and stupid. That. But like that's the thing <laughs> that like they they rev up the engine and, and turn on the police siren and you, you get the credits and then you're out. And the song that sends us to the credits, our old friends Supergrass are back <laughs> with the song Caught oh, by God. the Fuzz. Let's uh, let's go to a club. Well I
1: was still on the rise in the back of the van with my head in my hands Struck of that dream. I was only to see If I leave my brother could be here now give me a swimming light on your shit. This one wasn't written for the movie, uh <laughs> which almost surprised me, I think.
0: Yeah, Um, I think I assumed it was until I found out otherwise.
1: Yes, it's um, inspired by the fact that the lead singer, Gaz Coombs, which is a cool name.
0: Mm -hmm. It's a cool name um, for a werewolf.
1: Yes, was in fact uh, arrested for cannabis when he was 15. Makes sense. Um, I hate this. I hate Supergrass. I just, I hate them.
0: I I hate All
1: Right. I hated it on Clueless.
0: I, I like this more than All Right. And I think it's just because there's so much energy behind it. It's such a yes, fast and, song.
1: <laughs> yes, nail and, and, and that garage rock sound, but in a way that still sounds like pastiche instead mm-hmm. of homage, or better, building something new. And they were really early adopters of what would become this post-punk revival. But mm-hmm. I don't think it's fully baked yet. Like this sounds like a commercial.
0: Uh, and we had that For same thing. I about- don't know. We had that same thought about their last song that we covered. If you're
1: exactly. Remember. Yes. Because
0: their last song was used in like a bajillion commercials. Mm-hmm. So it I, I,
1: sounds seventies. Like I it can't does. fault that.
0: There's so, yeah, there's so much fuzz and like distortion and reverb on on this track that you kind of can't, can't help but think other that it's a seventies song of some shape or form, but like, I don't know. I I like this one more than it's not it's obviously not but like I think I like this one more than you did up for just because I like this kind of rock and roll I like fast and obnoxious rock and roll
1: yeah (laughs) this does it for me not for me that's okay
0: though well so then what about the next song that plays over the credits which is the Fratelli's cover of T-Rex's solid gold easy action
1: all right well let's go to a clip first. This is an obligatory cover of a 70s song. Um, And this one comes to us, as we said earlier, from uh, T-Rex via the Fratellis. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a serviceable cover. The original doesn't stand out that much for me. I'm not a huge fan of T Rex, um. So, they it it doesn't it doesn't affect me. I'm not like, oh, this is a great cover. Or, oh, this is a terrible cover. I wouldn't have guessed this was a cover if we hadn't just listened to the other one. If we hadn't just listened to the original, but um, T Rex was kind of having a moment because they um placebo covered 20th Century Boy, in Velvet Goldmine.
0: Oh yeah
1: which was just um about not quite 10 years earlier.
0: Okay. And I know uh, Edgar Wright would use them again in Scott Pilgrim. He would put a uh, teenage dream on that soundtrack.
1: Yep. So he's really big into T-Rex.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, uh, this for... one is, uh, I wouldn't listen to it. I wouldn't pull it up directly I
0: mean, f- for me. Like, yeah, the T-Rex song is kind of whatever, but i think i like the fratellis enough that i'm i'm okay with their cover of it and i think i just prefer their cover of it at this point that's fair so like i i, I got no i got no problem with the fratellis so you know what i'll i'll let them pass i'll let them have this one
1: and that's i am totally good with
0: that but that uh that wraps up the soundtrack for this film the, the only track that we haven't really covered yet is uh the the song Souljacker jacker part 1 by the eels um should we play a clip of that real quick 33 years of tough luck 44 skulls buried in the ground Crawling
1: down through the muck Oh uh, yeah Johnny don't like the teacher Johnny don't like the
0: school One day Johnny Gonna do something Show him he's nobody
1: Talk to me about this one
0: So this one actually was not in the film But it was the song used for all the trailers and TV spots that they used to promote the film. So I'm not sure why that got it a spot on the soundtrack, but there you have it.
1: I'm glad they included this on the soundtrack because you always kind of wonder, like, what's that song I'm hearing in the trailer?
0: Yeah. And it's I I think it better than most of the songs on the album. It really does kind of encapsulate the film as like, you know, it's, it's kind of sleazy and kind of. Uh, dark but also it's just a damn fun track i I, I, I got nothing bad to say about this one
1: yeah in some form or another since 1991 Mm -hmm. um and this this song is from 2001 so again they're an early forerunner in that uh post-punk revival game um they're adopting that garage rock fuzz box and driving rhythms that made up every ipod commercial Mm for the next decade um As with most Eels tunes, this one drips with noir goodness. Mm -hmm. Um, So I don't think it exactly fits on this album. Um, It feels like it's on here ironically, but knowing that uh, it's from the trailer actually makes some sense.
0: Yeah. And that's, that's something that I know that happens periodically, but I kind of wish it would happen more often. The only other instance I can think of right now is uh, the guardians of the galaxy soundtrack. Uh, Norman, What's the guy's name? Norman Greenbaum. Spirit in the sky. Not in the film, but it's in all the trailers. So of course it's on the soundtrack too.
1: Yeah, I'm. Um, I'm a big fan of their song "Hospital Food." <laughs> I really like that that song. Ian put that on a mix for a book I was writing uh, okay. at the time. That's cool. Sort of around this era. So I was kind of in an eels, having an eels moment. Two thousand. This song was also used in The Condemn and Drive Angry, where it probably fits a little bit better.
0: I do remember it in Drive Angry, yeah. If if you've ever seen Drive Angry, if you haven't seen Drive Angry, rather, definitely check it out. It's one of the better, like, Nick Cage goes crazy kind of movies.
1: (laughs) We just watched The Vampire's Kiss, which is an absolutely batshit film.
0: (laughs) It is truly insane
1: really was the weirdest thing i've ever seen
0: in my life i showed it to nikki a few months ago and she was not in, she did not enjoy it oh no, it's it's a very very weird film well yeah that pretty much covers hot fuzz the only track that we haven't really gotten to yet was the track that closes out the film is we get one more instance of of john spencer's here come the fuzz which if you really wanted it here it is, uh, it is. otherwise the only track that we really haven't covered is uh the hot fuzz suite by david arnold which is like it's the twenty some minute track of all the orchestral scores in the film
1: Just neat um uh, there's some really interesting pieces uh it opens with these very haunting uh kind of flamenco guitars mm-hmm. um and they it, it really amps up the tension um and so it's it's kind of worth giving a listen to. I wish it was broken out a little more mm-hmm. um but you know 23 minutes is a long time but you could just put it on and vibe um this is the second time that uh david arnold has scored a movie that we've talked about here he also scored godzilla 98
0: oh that's right and i I remember he did the same thing on that score too on that album too rather where the last track was like a, a long extended piece of david arnold's score so I mean that's I guess that's just the thing that he does, which is pretty cool. Um See,
1: it kind of gets everything
0: yeah. in there. And I, I will say I do have a copy of the um the Hot Fuzz uh vinyl soundtrack uh that Mondo yes. released a few years ago. It is just David Arnold's score. Like the first side is all of the pieces kind of separated out individually, and side B is the is the Hot Fuzz suite, one track.
1: <laughs> Very cool. So, yeah.
0: Oh boy! So yeah, that's Hot Fuzz. What what do we think of this album then?
1: It's a great intro to the span of British rock that isn't the Rolling Stones, the Who, or the Beatles. Yeah, that's true. I I liked it for that. Um, I don't know. It doesn't tell me a whole lot about the movie necessarily, but that's okay too. Um, it it stands on its own. I think. I don't think it necessarily needs the movie to to back it
0: right and one thing i forgot to mention the cd the, the american cd release of the soundtrack is one of those soundtracks that uses that, that layers m- movie clips on top of the music
1: ah yes and i hate
0: the shit out of that and i don't know why they do it <laughs> <laughs> so yeah the uh the playlist that i made for you uh it's it's all the individual tracks you know not from the the album because you know you you don't need that stuff. You watch the movie for a reason. You just watch the movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I really yeah. appreciate this this uh, album. I like the fact that, you know, Goody Two Shoes is is clearly like the Nicholas Angel theme. I like that the Village Green Preservation Society is obviously the NWA's theme. I like that there are songs that sort of are signposts for where where we are in the film uh as we go along and then just plain like the Fratelli's I don't know what to tell you
1: <laughs> yeah no they're great uh, this is like I said it's it's an enjoyable soundtrack
0: mm-hmm. well yeah that about does it for hot fuzz so Libby what's uh what's next for the OST party
1: well it's nearing Thanksgiving so we're going to talk about the soundtrack to everybody's favorite Thanksgiving movie planes trains and automobiles
0: wait I thought it was a Christmas movie no the DVD I have has Christmas and candy canes and stuff on it
1: uh, stop it
0: <laughs> no this is a great thanksgiving film and i can't wait to talk about it
1: yeah i'm very very, very
0: oh, excited so where can our listeners find you on the internet
1: you can find me uh on twitter as long as it's still around uh at libby cudmore you can find me on instagram at record underscore saturday or you can listen to me over on the misbehaving podcast we're gearing up for season two of the righteous gemstones
0: all right where i can't can we wait find you Uh, You can find me on Twitter uh, as long as it's here at Cordial Wombat or you can hear me yell about Christmas movies all year round on the Christmas Creeps podcast at Christmas Creeps where we are um, as of this week we're releasing an episode on the movie Santa Jaws which our listeners have been begging us to do for quite some time. It sure is a movie. (laughs) It's different. (laughs) Oh yeah. And if you want to send us anything at all on the internet. We're on Twitter at OST Party. You can email us anything you want at OSTPartypod at gmail.com. Yeah. So for the OST Party, I'm Joseph Wade.
1: I'm Libby Cudmore.
0: Buy the ticket.
1: Take the ride.